We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth. A small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truth. We certainly do. A small business. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Yes, I rent property management. The guys that pay for it all. Place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. True. We got true. Welcome to the big truths of small business. This is Joe Watkins and Travis Castle, your host. And we are here today with a very special guest and friend of mine. Mr. Brian Cunningham, welcome to the show. Yes, yes. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. <clears throat> so we don't have an applause button for Brian. We, we do. Uh, you know what? A little late on that. Let me get to that real quick. Let me do that one right. more time. Brian Cunningham. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Cunningham. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, hey, welcome, Brian. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, me and Brian Cunningham are in a, a motorcycle ministry group together, yes. and we've known each other for many years now, and, and uh, he learned about the podcast, and he's a small business owner, and he got, he got excited to jump on, so we were like, man, come on, and uh, so I'll tell you a little bit about Brian, introduce him, and then he can, uh, he can do a little, little further introduction uh, if he needs to, but, but Brian is the owner of Restoration Concrete in Atlanta, Georgia. They do... What custom concrete and any any form of concrete jobs, but Stamp you work. But 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 you do a lot yeah. of specialty concrete yeah, we services. Yeah, we do. Um, he's soon to be launching the Coffee Nut, which is an online specialty coffee roaster. I think it's a passion play for him. He's also a worship pastor at his local church, and he's been doing that alongside his wife Lisa for thirty five years. He has an adventurous spirit. You know. I, I can say that too by watching him on his motorcycle. It's a little too adventurous on the motorcycle, <laughs> but uh, has traveled to numerous countries on twenty-plus mission trips from Asia, Africa, Europe, South America. Um, he's he's very much has a passion to give back uh, in the ministry, uh, specifically in West Africa, and the ministry is is buying motorcycles so mm -hmm. these guys yep. can get around and share the gospel, sure. right? And they build wells for clean water. Yep. He loves encouraging people, and uh, you know he wants to do that on the show. Absolutely. And uh, and the name of this show is Failing Forward. That's a with that's Brian a Cunningham. Explain that to us. Yes, Brian. yes. You know, Joe. Um, uh, a lot of people they go to school and you know they specialize in something, and and they they kind of you know my, my brother ken he's a small business owner in nashville he's been doing that 30 years my brother's a medical doctor he's been doing that 30 plus years i didn't really start uh, my own business till i was almost 50. and i really struggled from the time i was probably 20 uh, up until that point and i just i kind of went from one failure it seemed like you know i had some successes but you know i was let go from a couple jobs and uh, you know what i've realized is is that if you aren't failing then you aren't growing and um, as I'd mentioned to you, you know, b beforehand, you know, our school systems kind of do us a disservice because they punish failure. You know, you, mm. you get a bad grade. But the fact is, is if you don't fail, you're not going to succeed. You know, and I think the uh, probably the epitome of that, of course, is Thomas Edison, the light bulb. You know, when somebody asked him, you know, why he kept going after he had failed over a thousand times, he said, I haven't failed a thousand times. I've just found you know, that many ways not to do it. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so such a positive spirit. Yeah, man, you, you gotta. And mm. as I mentioned before, you know, Babe Ruth, people don't know this, but he struck out more times than he had home runs. We don't know him for striking out, but the reason he hit home runs is because he was swinging. And so mm. if, if you got to make a mistake to know not to do that, you know, I love my wife. She's a tremendous support and, and I'll, we talk about business and stuff and kind of, you know, Hey honey, how's the job going? And I'll share. She said, well, you know, um, you know, you said this before and you did it. I said, sweetheart, I, I get it. You know, um, but if you don't make a mistake, then how are you going to know not to do that again? And my mistakes have turned into some of my biggest successes, you know, and for, for example, um, one of the concrete jobs we had, uh, it wasn't a huge job, but I had about a $5,000 profit margin, you know, which over a couple of days, that's, that's a pretty good chunk of money, you know, and it's a lot to me. 
And I, I had my, my subcontractors and I used, used subs. And I just told the guy, I said, you know, hey, man, I, I really don't feel good about pouring it this late in the day. It's kind of hot. I'm not sure it's going to. He goes, no, man, I got it. I got it. I said, okay. Well, we went and looked at it the next day. And the homeowner said, I won't tell you what he said, but he said it looks like, you know. <laughs> and uh, he said, what are you going to do about it? I said, you know what? I, there's only one choice. This is the only time this has ever happened. I said, man, we're going to have to rip it out and redo it. Mm. And, and we did. Mm. And I told my, my contractor, mm. I said, dude, I love you, man. I said, but unless you're willing to put, this, put your money where your mouth is and fix it, you're done. And that caused me to find somebody else. And the next job I had, I cleared 5000 in one day. Everything I lost, I cleared with that new guy. You had a much better guy. Oh, much better guy. Mm. And that led to a much better guy. And so mistakes are going to happen. I mean, it's just you're going to throw an interception if you're a quarterback. You just got to get over. You're going to strike out. You know, you're going to miss the free throw shot that's going to win the game. Stuff is going to happen. The real key is, is just to go, okay, what can I learn from that? And how can I incorporate that? to move forward and God's just given me this ability. Um, I just got to give him credit to be able to go, okay, what's the lesson I need to learn in this? And, um, you know, it just, it keeps making me more profit or I increase my profitability or my margins or just different things like that. And we oftentimes punish failure. One of my favorite stories and, it could be apocryphal. I don't think it is, but I heard where this management guru was brought in by Henry Ford to, to say, Hey, um, how can we be more efficient in what we're doing? And so he spent a week around the factory and he came back to him and he said, Mr. Ford, he said, you know, I, I really can't think of anything that we're doing that you're doing that, that, um, that, that I can think of. He said, but there is one fellow every time I walk by the office, you know, he's got his feet up on the desk. Like he's just kind of kicking back. He said, don't mess with him. He said, why? He says, because you know, he came up with one idea that saved us a million dollars, you know? And, and the other story was a, a guy who made a million dollar mistake and he went to the boss thinking he was going to be fired. And the, and the boss said, listen, I just invested a million dollars in you. Don't do that again. Yeah. Hmm. And, and so that's, that's the whole premise about, I just had to get comfortable with failure and recognize that failure is an event. It's not a person. And so when somebody screws up, man, don't kick them to the curb, you know, just including yourself. I think we're hardest on ourselves. <laughs> I just want to say that, that we just got a third member of our podcast uh, host here. <laughs> he, he, he just, he just, with his one-liners, uh, he just gave us about three more shows. I've, I've got, <laughs> I've got seven shows. <laughs> And, we, well, <laughs> and two books. I mean, you know, I mean, when you said, I mean, I got a couple down here. I mean, one was, you know, you know, you can't hit home runs if you ain't swinging. That's listen. They call <laughs> me. They call my brother the strikeout king. Man, I love him, mm. but you know, he'd strike out with a with a bat on his shoulder. And my dad said, "Son, if you're going to strike out, strike out swinging." You know, and listen. I, mean, I, I just think it's a metaphor well, in you, small business that that's well, you know what a big powerful. shot is. Zig Ziglar says a big shot is just a little shot who kept on shooting. You have to be a big shot, yes. did you? Oh, you had to it, open uh, up you just your mouth. Opened up Pandora's <laughs> box. Sorry, Brian. Sorry, sorry about that. So right. you know that's that's the key. Is just you know we were on a recent motorcycle trip, right? And yep. uh, we like to ride together, and uh, and it's probably a good thing that I've got a cruiser and not that crotch rocket that mm. Joe's got because I might have hurt myself. Because uh, my bike can only do about a hundred, <laughs> and then that's going downhill in the wind, um, and so. Uh, but you know, a good friend Randy, who's been on the show, Randy, he said, "Hey, I want to give you a verbal fist bump." He said, "No matter how many times you get knocked down, you just you need to you, you keep getting back up and dreaming." And I just said, "Randy, what's the other option?" I, I mean, what is? It? Yeah, that was uh, that was memorable for me when he said that. Uh, he he said about two or three things about different people, yeah. and, and and Randy. When he when Randy says it, it, there's usually some thought behind it, and yep. that verbal fist pump for just getting back up, getting back up. Brian just gets back up. That's why we named the show "Felling Forward." Well, it's, what's it, your comment, it, sir, it's, Travis? It's something that I see with everybody that sits in your seat, and if if and yeah. again, I think one day we'll kind of Joe and I will go back, listen to all this stuff, write down some of these similarities. That's why we like talking to guys like you. And one of the similarities that I say is in everybody so clear. It's perseverance. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, if you if you remove and I call it my, my term for it, you've got a bunch of terms and my, my term for it's the dog. Like at some point, everybody that's sat in the seat that has uh, grown a successful small business. Yep. They tell stories. They, they tell stories about the losses as well. And, and you hear some of the things that they came back from. And it's it's the Rocky story over. And it's like, man, you got you didn't just get beat up a little bit. I mean, you got your oh. block knocked off. Oh, oh. right. So I, I would say let's let's go back a little bit sure. in time yeah, here. I, I, I want to reverse it back in time because the narrative you're giving us is um, I had a lot of failures before. I, I learned some things yep. and, and I learned from those failures. So walk us back. And I've got a 20 year old son and here's okay. what, and Joe's uh, got kids around this age and, and we know from being this age, but I think it's more prevalent than ever, which is kind of interesting because there's more information for our kids than, than we had. But between that 18 and that 22 year old, honestly is a bit of a lost compass in terms of where their life is heading and what, mm. the, what they're wanting to do. And, and so they're going to try a bunch of things. So I, I would ask you, speak to the 20-year-old. If we got the time machine sure, and we went back, what, what would you tell yourself? Your tw- yeah, your 20-year-old self. That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> that, that's a fantastic question. I, I would, because I, I talk to myself. And, and Zig Ziglar says, you know, he said, I, I think it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't go, huh? Um, you know, so, I mean, I have conversations with myself all the time. And the reason is, is because we all have a subconscious, you know, and that's that. Because we don't, so much of who we are as adults is formed by the time we're, you know, five, six, seven years old. And, um, and so I, you know, talk to my younger self and I just go, hey, hey, listen, man, you made a mistake there, Brian. You know, just let it go, forgive yourself, get over it. Don't do that again. You know, things like that. So I would tell myself that first of all, that my, my father who's passed away, God rest his soul. I'd say your dad was wrong because he mm. said some things that were very, very hurtful and mm. very things that were very, and, and I would say you have a whole lot more talent than you know that you have. And you don't need to let fear grip you because I had a tremendous fear of failure. The bottom line was, I didn't think I had what it took to, to, to be successful. I, I knew I wanted to be, because there was a drive from the time I was seven, eight, nine years old. I, I can't tell you how, I just knew I was meant to be successful in, in, in some regard. I was just like, I was meant do, to be successful. Do you think that, that that stemmed primarily from your dad? A- absolutely, Yeah, absolutely. L- let me tell you a little bit. Um, I had I, I had three older brothers, and uh, one of them unfortunately has passed away. But my my oldest brother Les, who's a tremendously successful doctor, he's getting ready to retire. Uh, excellent golfer, by the way. You'd probably beat him because you're <laughs> well. He is, but not right not, now with a pinched well, nerve. Current but <laughs> now, uh, but but Les is a he's he's a great older brother. He's about seven years older than me. Well, um, I found out in my mid thirties from my aunt and uncle who we used to hang out with my mom and dad when they were, you know, it's, it's my aunt and my mom are sisters. And so, you know, they're pretty close to the same age. Uh, and so when they were young married, you know, my oldest brother was about the same age as my aunt and uncle's son, my cousin, and then, you know, the second and the third and, and that kind of thing. So they'd get together when they were young. And man, my uncle told me back with 20 years ago, and I've never told anybody this. He said, your dad used to say, that's going to be my doctor, talking about my brother Les. He said when he was two years old, he said, he's going to be a doctor. Mm. I said, that's amazing because Les wanted to be a pilot. He wanted to be an um, a Air Force pilot. But my mom said, honey, they're not going to take you in the Air Force. you got flat feet. I mean, she was making, <laughs> she was making something up because she didn't want to go in the military. Well, about, you know, about 10th grade, he said, I'm going to be a doctor. Well, he's a successful doctor. When I came along, I was the youngest of four. He said, son, you think you're going to mount anything? And I was like, I, you know, you tell one kid he's not going to mount anything. He'll end up being the superstar or the president or something. You tell somebody else that, they'll end up being a bum on the street. I mean, you never know. Right. And um, I, I love the – there's a story about the the great Warren Spahn, who is – I believe he was a pitcher for um, New York uh, Yankees. And, uh, but don't, I may be off on that. But anyway, he's, um, they're in a crucial game. 
I, I can't remember who he was facing, but the coach comes out to him and says, whatever you do, don't throw it down the middle. He'll knock it out of the park. Well, guess what he did? Threw it right down the middle. And the guy knocked it out of the park. And they finally got the out, and as he walked off the mound, he thought to himself, why would anybody try to motivate you to do something by telling you the opposite oh, of what gosh. he wants you to do? This is a nugget here, Brian, Travis. This is a nugget because I, I think about even on a motorcycle, right? Yep. One of the things that I'm trying to get Travis in the motorcycle and one of the things that is so true is that motorcycle is going to go where you look. That's it. So if, you, if you're looking over to the right because there's a cliff and you say, I don't want to go there, but you're looking there, that bike is going to have a tendency to lean over that way because, I mean, your, your weight is dominating this bike. That's and so, uh, man. Look through the curve. Look where you want to go. Look where you want to go. Look where you want to the, go. The the best <clears throat> gamblers on on the golf course, which by the way are not always the best golfers. Oh yeah, they got very little to do with each other. But the best gamblers are the ones who uh, say, "Oh man, when did they put that bunker there? Oh man, I didn't realize the water well, that, that that pin's cut close to the edge of the water. Oh yeah, and they're just kind of planning that thing. So you get over the ball and you're thinking, "Man, that pin is close to the edge of the water." Oh, and it's just, it's just, a and, very and that's getting ahead of yourself too. So I was listening to Justin Thomas, uh, it being interviewed for the masters. This week. we're masters week, by the way, oh, one of my sure favorite weeks of the year. Oh, I love it. And they're interviewing, uh, Justin Thomas, who, who has been favored. I'd say in the last five years, he, he had been the top three favored to win. Sure. Right. Hadn't won it yet. And when asked, you know, how, what's his outlook this year? He said, well, when I look back at the last five years, last, he said, this is not just the Masters, majors in general, but the Masters more so because I want it so bad. Sure. He said, I'm, I'm clearly not in this shot and on this golf course in that tournament because I'm already seeing myself with a trophy or forcing – Right. Sort of, he, he wants to see himself with a trophy so badly that he's having a hard time staying right in that moment. And so some of the other things you talked, you, that you were saying reminded me of that, of what's happening right now. I can change what is right in front of me is what I can change. And that's what he says. He said, so this week I'm coming in differently. I'm coming in with what I can change. And that's the shot. I, it didn't matter what I thought in the past. It don't even matter what I believe to be true in the future. That's right. But it matters right now. I can have control over what I'm about mm. to hit. And I, and I, it's simple as that is. It was like, ha. Well, and powerful. True. I, I want to get mm. back to what you know Travis was was saying about the the 20 year old self. Um, I, you know, I had a when I was nine years old. I had a you know um, I was picking up golf balls at the golf course. You know, this was before they automated you know the 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 range balls where they drive around the machine and they they you know they pay us a quarter of a bucket to go out there and pick them up. This is mid seventies and by hand, you know, by hand. Mm -hmm. And you know, hey, that was a that was a candy bar, that was a coke or something, and you know, I'd pocket that money and I had a paper route and I cut grass and and I really. I remember the golf pro telling my dad, boy, that, that Brian, he really knows the value of a dollar. And as a 12-year-old, I didn't really know what, what that meant, but I, I, I knew how to work. And, and something, uh, I don't know, 17, 18 years old, doubt just began to creep in, and it got a hold of me, um, and, man, it just wouldn't let go. And, and it, it took me – it was in my mid-40s, of going through, I, I hit several episodes of major depression. Um, uh, it, it didn't border on suicidal. I did have those mm -hmm. thoughts, and, and you really don't want to, you know, this is really not about psychology, it's about business, but. Oh, no, it, this is about I psychology. Was very too. much about this psychology. Is a, this okay. is a business well, psychology make show, no mistake, baby. mistake, Brian. <laughs> okay, well, well in, in that case, let, let me share this. You know, I didn't want to die. I just didn't, I wanted the pain to end. Right. So nobody really wants to, you just want right. to end. And I remember very clearly, I was living in Nashville, and I was driving, and, and I said, Lord, when is this going to end? And I just had a thought, and, and it was, when are you going to quit asking me? And I'm trying to teach you something here. And I was like, Dad, gum. And it was, I, I kind of had to get backed into a corner, because I was doing ministry full time. You know, I was a music minister. I had a music degree, fell in love with my wife when we were in, in school and music together, and, and she's just a 
uh, I mean, she's the rock. She she is just such a solid, solid woman. And like I said, we're coming up on 35 years of marriage. And uh, we've been doing ministry together even before we got married, so 36, 37 years. But um, I really had to do some inter, uh, inner healing. I had to deal with those lies because what happens is the, those subconscious lies uh, about ourselves are what's holding us back. It's It's like putting the locks on a rocket. You can have a rocket in Cape Canaveral with the most powerful engine ever, and it's getting ready to launch, but it's not going anywhere. It's going to just fizzle and blow up on the pad unless they undo and they release those locks that are holding it down. It's Hmm. meant to keep it stable until the last split second. They release them, boom, it takes off. Well, those lies were the things that were holding me back. And when I began to deal with those, Going back to my, my childhood, and, and my dad passed away in 2008, and I, I forgave him. I had a conversation with him. I said everything that needed to be said before he died. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, the night he died, the night he took his last breath, I was by his bed singing him a song that I wrote. And, and I looked at him, and I saw him take his last breath. How old were you then? I was um, 45. You know, By and, then, had you fully... Uh, been on the other side of those negative thoughts. No, you no, were still. I, it, oh, I, I was still. I, I was on. Mm-hmm. I was close to the door. I had my handle on the door, but it was. Um, did, did him passing away represent that door being dealt with and closed to uh, some degree? It, it, to, to some degree, because yeah. at that point, I realized. Um, you know, I knew I could always depend on my dad if I needed a buck or I needed a whatever, you know, from a financial. Mm-hmm. That's how my dad showed love is, you know, um, and I don't fault him for uh, for those things. It, it just he grew up in the Depression, didn't have a whole lot. So, you know, money was was valuable to him. He worked hard. Um, you know, the house he grew up in didn't even have solid floors. It was dirt floors until he was probably, you know, a teenager. Um, I remember our first television, you know, uh, he didn't grow up with indoor plumbing. So, so to have a house that was 1500 square feet, three bedrooms, I mean, he was living the American dream. Right. Um, but I was able to get past that. And one key word, uh, it, don't underestimate the, the power of, of words. I, I want to go back for a minute with my dad and, and, and for anybody listening, who's a father, um, listen, your children, especially your boys, they need to know they have what it takes, whatever that is, you know, to, to be successful in life, you know, to, to be a good husband, to be a good father, to be whatever it is they choose to do, that they can measure up to other men. Boys learn how to be men from other men. They're not going to get it from anywhere else. Sure. And when my and especially their dad, when my dad caused that doubt, I was kind of, you know, looking in kind of other areas. And when I married my wife, she's firstborn. I'm the youngest, so, um, you know, she's kind of a take-charge kind of, you know, uh, person. I mean, that's, that's just who she, she is. She's an alpha. She, she's, a, she's an alpha, but, but here's the beautiful part about it. As I grew and as I began to take more responsibility, she gladly relinquished it. Um, she just did what she had to do. She stood the gap. She, she did, yeah, she did what she had to do, and, and it, it's wonderful to see because, you know, some women don't want to let that go. Right. And, and so back to my 20 year old self, it would be a matter of don't believe the lies. You are capable of so much more than you think. And, and, and just stay the course and, and pay the price to me, probably 75% of success is just showing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd be amazed and people, I, I'll call somebody back and they went, man, I've been calling so many companies. So uh, thank you for calling back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so in in the in the journey here, yeah. As I'm I'm listening to what you're saying, and I I believe in this concept. Uh, Joe and I we're actually going to try to explore this. Maybe we'll uh, have you back on when we get back around to this. But sure, I believe in tipping points, and a lot of times, and you and I discussed off air here, getting to another location uh, is kind of getting to a yeah. you know we 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 have. Uh, 20 million pine trees here uh, yep. in Georgia. So whenever I go somewhere and there's no pine trees, I think differently. I, I just, uh, I, I feel differently about life. Sure. Right? So sometimes that can be 
uh, a tipping point. So I use the terminology tipping point. I had about five of those. All right. So, so walk, walk us through your, cause, cause I kind of have a vision of, of this for you and, and where your head is when, as a, as a young man here yeah. and why that is walk me through when, when did we start to go? Oh, wait a minute. I woke oh, up today. I'm oh, in the, I'm oh. in the same house. I'm in the same car, but I don't see this thing the same way. I, I, I got a, tell us your number one uh, I got tipping a, point and why funny, funny story for you. Um, I came home. I was, I was. Um, first of all, went into ministry, and I, I thought, well, that's. I, 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 again, people are capable of so much more than they give themselves credit for, and but I thought the only thing I was good at was music, and uh, so, um, as a side note, a tipping point was when my gracious mom got me trumpet lessons when I was in high school. I really stunk as a trumpet player. I was out of 15 players in our high school. I was like number seven or number eight. She got me lessons from a guy who I've remained friends with to this day. And in two months, I went from seventh chair to second by practicing one hour a day. We were required to practice 30. So I added an extra 30 minutes a day. I went to second chair. I beat a guy who I had never beat before, and he threatened to quit. He had been better than me for five years. <laughs> He's ready to and go. I, up. I said, "Sorry, buddy." I said, you, "You," and he never beat me again. And the guy that was first chair, I scared. I, he was so scared because we have these things called challenges. You know, where you challenge somebody for their chair position, and it's part of the teacher's way to to motivate you. You know, to keep moving forward. And this guy, you know, he was afraid, and uh, I never really pushed it because I didn't want to be first chair at that point because it was too much responsibility. But it was the next year. So I thought music was the only thing I was good at. And so I went into to, to music. Um, I, I felt the call into ministry, and I was working in ministry. I was living up in Maryland. Well, we didn't really have any money for vacation. And so we would go home during the week we had off. We'd go home to Mississippi, where I grew up. My parents and my wife's parents lived about 25, 30 minutes away. We'd met in college. And I'm home one day, and my dad says, son, get up and blow the, ro- the, blow the roof off. You know, because we get pine straw and leaves and stuff on the roof. And I said, excuse me he said i said dad i'm on vacation and he goes excuse me damn it son i do a lot for you i can't believe you, you wouldn't be willing to get up there and i'm 35 years old and i said excuse me i said dad let me ask you a question i said <laughs> would you ask less my oldest brother your doctor your your you know that's my doctor would you ask him to do it mm-hmm. nope said you're too proud of him i said would you ask chris to do it nope because you knew he wouldn't I said, would you ask Ken? No, he's your successful businessman. I said, why do you feel like you can ask me? And he shook his head and laughed. He just went. <laughs> mm. And and that was a tipping point. And I thought, well, that feels pretty good. You know, because I was just kind of used to being told what to do. You know, hey, get Mikey to eat it. Mikey will eat anything. Right. Remember the old life commercial? Sure. And, and I was just kind of being used to that. And then another tipping point came. In, well, I want to I want to underscore what what happened there. You, and I think this is true. This is a, a seed that we see that kind of is is in a lot of the stories. Is you that was your first version of actually confronting? Yes. The the demon per se. Yep. That kept you down. Yep. You 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 finally said no. Yeah, he, he was. I'm, I'm always, not doing that. See, I no, was, no, you're not doing that to me anymore. See, I was known as Sweet Brian Joe. My mom was like, "Oh, sweet," because I was just kind of compliant. And when he said that, it, it frankly kind of pissed me off. And as I, you know, maybe ticked is a better word, I was like, "What?" And and another funny story about the same time is that uh, we were all home Christmas time, and uh, was that a funny story? The first one, uh, I thought it was funny. Okay, uh, th- right. this is even funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, we were. Uh, all the the cousins and the nieces and nephews home, and they were really young at the time. And and we have a, a a den where my dad would hang out. We had a pull out couch, and so they'd pull the couch out for the kids. Well, my mom comes down there, and and this was mid morning. She goes, "Honey, could you fold the couch back up so we could sit on it later on?" And I said, "Yeah, mom, I got it." Well, I'm tossing the, my cousins, my nieces and nephews. I'm being the cool uncle, man. We're wrestling, throw them on the bed. She comes back about ten minutes later, and she just she goes, oh, "You don't obey very well, do you?" <laughs> I just busted out laughing. I said, Mom, I said, the Bible says I'm supposed to honor you. I, I'm an adult. I, sorry, I'm not. I'll fix the, the couch. I got it. But that was another kind of a thing of right. them just recognizing they had just been telling me what to do. And it, you accepted it before. Well, well I did. And, and yeah. here, here's the key. Um, 
some people are good second people. You know, um, I met a guy yesterday, a potential customer, and I asked him, I said, what do you do? And he works for a manufacturing company. And I said, well, are you the boss? He goes, no, man, the Lord didn't make me to be the boss. And he's comfortable with that. I mean, um, okay, well, I, I was kind of made to be independent. I mean, I kind of like working for myself and stuff. But I had all these doubts and fears. And so it was really a matter of me having to, to, to come to um, grips with the fact that not only do I not like being told what to do, but but I do have what it takes to to make it on my own, to do my own business or whatever. So that was the beginning point. But, uh, but another key point was when I was in Nashville and my brother Ken, successful business guy, he'd be a great guy to have on. He started a commercial cleaning business 30 years ago with a $15 box of business card, and it's a multi-million dollar business now. It's, it's doing really well. He's even cleaning, got crews here in Nashville, I mean, in Atlanta cleaning. So Ken's done real well, doesn't, didn't go to college. He's up on his roof. And I said, hey, what are you doing? I'm, I was visiting with him. He said, I'm fixing my roof. And I said, well, what would you learn how to fix a roof? He said, dude, I just figured it out. And, and I was like, remember, at, if you're being told what to do, you, you just find somebody else to do it. Right. And I thought, well, dad, gum, that kid doesn't even, you know, he doesn't have a college education. And, and so file that away, you know. And then um, about two or three years later, I'm, I'm camping by myself. I, I'd, I'd gone through a job loss. I'd been at, in, in full-time ministry. Uh, unfortunately, a pastor died of cancer. The new pastor wanted to bring in his own music guy. I said, no problem. So I moved to Nashville, and I was trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. Well, I, I took a few days off, and I went camping in North Carolina. And I'm up near the Blue Ridge Parkway. I mean, it's, it's you know, um, 100,000 acres. And I went mountain bike riding. And I, I, so I get out there, and, you know, it was only about five miles. But there was, at the end of the trail, there was a bunch of feeder trails that fed off. So I didn't know which trail there was, and I got lost. And it's November. It, it's getting cold. It's getting dark. And, and I, for two hours, I looked for the trail to get out of here. Now, there's one trail that went down to a boulder that was about the size of a, a small car. And, and it just stopped. And I said, well, it can't be that way. So I, I'm, I'm beginning to panic. You know, and I'm thinking, I'm going to you know, have to spend the night out here. And this was before cell phones, before we had one. So there's no way for me to contact anybody. So I just began to pray. And I was like, man, God, what am I going to do? I said, Lord, help me. And I promise you, I had a thought in my head that hit me like a ton of bricks. And that thought was, I gave your brain, figure it out. Man, I was ticked. I was like, what? what gave you a brain figure it out? Mm. I was out in 10 minutes. The trail actually went over that rock. Mm. And when I got out and I got back down to where the ranger station was where I started, there was one lady left, and she said, can I help you? Oh, I, was, I, was, I said, oh, you can help me. I said, you need to tell somebody to move that sign up there to the other side of the rock. She said, oh, that rock throws a lot of people off. <laughs> You're said, not the only one. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, I prayed about it, and God said, I'm, you know, you, you got to step up. So that was another marker. And then another marker came when, uh, and this, this was important, um, when I was doing some work for a guy who is a multimillionaire, and we have a conversation, I said, Hey, tell me something, you know, what's some keys to success? And he said, Brian, opportunities are like trains. There's one that comes along every minute. You just got to know where to look. Hmm. Okay. Well, fast forward another couple of years. Call me a slow learner. Um, I was going through another difficult time. Just, you know, things weren't happening. And I called Steve Bovey and y'all have had Steve on the show. And I just felt like I needed to call Steve. Uh, Steve's more of an acquaintance. We've ridden together. And I'm talking to him, and he said, Brian, he said, man, the you know, circumstances of your life are far from what you wanted to be. I said, yeah. He's like, you know what? Um, you're where you are because of the decisions you made. And, and that, that's so basic. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But, man, I pushed back, and I began to blame. I, I, he said, man, you can blame God. You can blame your parents. You can blame whatever you want. He said, but the fact is you are where you are because of the decisions you made. Well, I think that's huge. I, I think that you've, you've, you've gone over about five things, and I, I think there's some exploration there. But to comment on that one, uh, you have to take ownership, right, of, of, of you. And I think our culture, especially talk to young people here, yeah. the, the culture is young people are 
they're actually society teaches them to, to yep. give their problems away to some, to some external source. And, and, and I think we, we, we naturally want to do that anyway. So I think you being young, well, we call it blame shifting. I mean, you, you, you do that when you're young anyway, it's sure. just part of what yeah. you, you do. But I think now our culture is teaching them to do it. Absolutely. And, well, and so, uh, as simple as you said, those words are from Steve Bovey. The, again, I want to pause when there's when there's one thing I love about Steve Bovey. Yeah, there's a lot of pause in Steve Man, Bovey. Steve, okay, is, he, is he he speaks and there's smart. pause. Well, and and in that pause is where is where you sometimes absorb. He he let that thing hang. He does. He likes and, a lot. Of it. And man, I was just like, I was like, you know, it, it it's like when somebody tells you something and you know they're right, you just go, dang. Like, your first thing man. is to, is to rebel back and go. Eh, eh. Yeah, well, Travis does it to me weekly. Well, <laughs> but then, but then, but then, when he can get, when he gets pat, and he lets it hang for a minute. Well, well <laughs> let's go back to the garden. See, when when Adam and Eve sinned, God came to Adam, and Adam blamed it on his wife. He said it was. The, he he literally said it was the woman you gave me. Okay, so he blame shifted, and and then he he said God went to Eve. And Eve said, well, it was the serpent. He tempted me. And she blamed Sif, uh, right. shifting. And he went to the servant. Of course, serpent, he didn't have a late stand on. Well, he, so. no, he owned it. <laughs> yeah, it was me. And I was trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so blame shifting is, you know, it's part of a culture. You're right. So I took that. So here we are. We got, I, I gave you a brain. I got my brother. I just figured it out. And the second one, I gave you a brain. You figure it out. Opportunities are like trains. And you're where you are because the decisions you made. You put those four together. And face your demons was the other one. And, and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm riding in the back of a lawn truck of a guy. I'm 45 years old. He's paying me $11 an hour when he was paying me. He didn't always pay me. Mm. And it is hot. <laughs> it is hot, hot, hot. And I'm going, Lord, I've got a master's degree. I've got a music degree. I've got, and I don't like to use this word, but I said, God, this sucks. And you know what I heard? Gave you a brain, figure it out. Short time later, I mean short time, I'm downtown. We're we're cleaning uh, a neighborhood. There's it's just one road with uh, townhomes, and and I'm working with the the guys, the crews, and we're mowing and trimming and all that. And I heard two neighbors, and they said, "We need somebody to pressure wash the sidewalks." Opportunity. I'm looking. I said, "Hey, I can do that." They said, well, "What are you going to charge?" I said. What'd you pay last year? They said thousand bucks. I said done. I, said, <laughs> I like done. I like that. Right. I like that answer. What'd yeah. you pay last year? I like that. That's good. <laughs> I, I had no idea. And they said a thousand bucks. I said I'll do it for a thousand. I love I, that. I went and picked a guy up at the local QT, Hispanic guy. This has been probably twelve years ago. He's still with me. And shout out to Victor, man. Victor mm. has been loyal. We did that, and I thought, Dad, gum, I made twice as much in a day as I was making then. And I, well, I ca- called the guy who owned the the landscape management company I was working for, and I said, Hey, would you mind if I pressure wash? You know, if I asked some of the other customers, he said, I don't care, I'm getting out of the business anyway. So we'd pull up to a yard. I'd, I we had the number there in the book, so I'd call him. I'd say, Hey, this is I'm working the crew. Can I? But and some didn't answer, and some said, No, nah, not right now. One guy said, Yeah, come clean it. I did, but the real change came when. Shout out to Dr. Susan Wood, her and her husband, they're, they're optometrist in Snellville. She said, oh, I, I need my driveway pressure washed, but I need a lot more than that. When can you meet? And I went, well, I can meet right now. So we got out and talked, and she said, I need you to do a little bit of landscaping. And so I, I did some landscaping, and, and guys, I just kept giving her ideas. I said, well, why don't you consider this? And she goes, that's a great idea. And she said, what do you charge? And if this was 10, 12 years ago, and I said, well, you know, I'll charge you $40 a man hour for me and 40 for Victor. So instead of making $11 an hour, I just went and made $70 an hour because I was paying him 10 which was good money then. And so, wow. And I, because she wasn't hiring me to do a job. she It was piecemeal. And so right. I just said, Let, let's do it this way. Only time this has ever happened, she came to me two weeks later and said, you're not charging me enough. <laughs> I said, well, what if I raise it to this amount? She said, fine. After six weeks, she loved what we did. She wrote me a check that was all mine, and I looked at that check, and I went, 
dad gum man i ain't, I ain't seen money like this and i just went i scratched my head and i said i think i'm on to something and that was the beginning and a short time later my wife and i moved into a, a, a house the lord blessed us with so i i don't want to let you keep going from there because that actually is something you mentioned earlier um uh, again before we we hopped on here that's the easter egg approach right you, uh, yes you, the, you, the you easter egg approach yeah i'll let you explain it but yeah. the easter egg approach well things uh, a marker begin to change when uh we're either going to live with a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset and and that's huge i mean that that is huge if uh, if you can take that the scarcity mindset says that there's a limited amount and it says things like, well, that, that guy doesn't deserve to make that much money. Or, or, you know, do you know how many people that could have fed? You know, um, I love the story of the guy who bought a Corvette, and somebody said, do you know how many people that could have fed? You know, that's a $70,000 car. He said, well, no, but I do know it helped feed the guy that made the tires, and it helped feed the guy that built the engine, and it helped feed the guy that painted it. So when I changed from a scarcity mindset, and I realized if you take – I mean, this is something real simple. If you take a handful of corn and you plant it in the ground, let's say you plant 10 kernels, how many kernels are you going to get back? It's going to be in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. And then you plant those, you've got in your hand uh, a multi-million dollar you know, gift right there. As long as you don't eat all that you produce and you keep putting some back in the ground. And I realized God said, I own it all anyway. And so when I changed that mindset, that's when I realized really life is, is like an Easter egg hunt. And, and you're standing in a field like you were in a kid, and there's Easter eggs, I mean, millions of Easter eggs everywhere. And you look around and, you know, say there's a thousand kids. There's more than enough Easter eggs for those kids to fill their baskets, more than enough. So you don't have to be selfish and say, well, I'm going to beat that guy to that Easter egg, or I've got to get that. Now, some are real plain. There are opportunities that are right there. Some are hidden. Some you may never find. But all I knew was I'm on to something. And so we moved into this beautiful home that the Lord had blessed us with, and that's a whole other story. But right after we moved in, the heating unit went out. And I was like, Dad, come it, man. I don't really have a job. I don't have I'm, – I'm kind of – and I just kind of started out, didn't even have a business name. It wasn't, you know, I was just, you know, pay me under the table. Well, that may not be the table. They write me a check. But it's like I didn't have a license or anything. Wasn't certified or, or registered with the state. I'm sorry. What tax year was that exactly? This was. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the IRS what, is willing to. What, what was the filing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, that was in. A, trust me, I've got a good account. We've gone back over that. I'm, I'm, I'm catching You're up clear. to that. You're clear. Yeah, I'm, uh, Uncle Sam and I are good. I'm going to owe him something for this last year, but we're, we're, we're good. You know, Jesus said, given to Caesar what Caesar and God's God. So I, I try to give him as love the government as little as possible. You know, um, well, that's all another story. But anyway, the, my, my unit went out, and so I, I hired this guy to come and fix it. And he said, he's walking out, and he said, what do, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm trying to do, you know, landscaping. I'm just trying to figure out life here. And he said, where do you advertise? I said, well, I, I don't. I, I don't know where to advertise. He said, well, you ought to use um, Home Advisor. And I said, well, what's that? He said, well, that's where you found me. And I just Googled it, and I used some, and I went, huh. So that $1,500 heating unit, which came out of my pocket there, and it kind of hurt, but I was thankful because it was in November. That was worth uh, dude, many of thousands of hundreds. hundreds of thousands later. It's, it's going to be worth millions in the end because mm-hmm. I've, I've got big dreams. And, and that opened up the door. So I started advertising and doing the landscaping. And then here's the real key, which got me to restoration concrete. One day a lady asked me, can you pour me a stamped concrete patio? And I said... Of course. Absolutely. I knew nothing about it, mm-hmm. but I knew I could find somebody. And, and here's a little pet peeve of mine. You call up a company and you're looking for a particular product or service and they go, I'm sorry, sir, we don't offer that. And I, and I always ask, well, do you know somebody that does? And they go, no, I'm sorry, we don't. Now hang up. I'm going, dude, you just missed an opportunity because when somebody calls me and they ask me to do a service we don't provide, I'll say, here, call my buddy, you know, Jim. 
Here's his number. Call Every time they say, thank you so much. And I always tell them, if that doesn't work out, you call me back. The Bible says if you give, it will be given. It may not be given by that same person, but it sets up a mindset of always looking to go the extra mile. And that pos- it creates a, a positive attitude. And so I, it, it just opens up all kinds of doors. So I said, absolutely. I found somebody. And that opened up the door. And about a year or two later, I realized I can make a heck of a lot more pouring concrete than I can doing landscaping. Oddly enough, um, Travis, you and I were talking beforehand. I, I tell people I don't do landscaping. And, and when I said that, my three biggest jobs came out. And, and I, I just was like, so when I decided not to do something, so I'll do it if the price is right. But that's how I came about from a 20-year-old getting married, going into ministry, uh, struggling with jobs, trying to find my place. I had wonderful kids. We had good family relationship. But all of those struggles were building in me a foundation um, to, to be able to give back um, and just to create that solid character to be able to handle the success that I'm, I'm now experiencing. Because a lot of guys, will they'll shipwreck their lives. I'm, I'm going to put that story in, in something here that I crafted. Yeah. Okay. Um, you built a story that in the early part that, that you had to learn to trust in yourself first. I did. And so all those struggles, all those failures, all those dealing with the demons, all those nuggets you pulled from here, that, and the other, yep. it was all a version of you trying to figure out how to trust yourself. And then once, and once you yep. decided, oh, wait a minute. I can do that. There's, there, there, these external factors are not pulling me back. And then when you, when you decide to trust in yourself, then when you talked about uh, that when somebody comes to you with other resources and you don't have them and you refer it, what, what that really is, is you becoming the trusted uh, conduit for others. Exactly. And you can't do that until you trust in yourself. If you trust in yourself, then when you become, I've made my whole living on being the trusted conduit for others. They know me to, to, to be quality. They know if I'm going to, Put a, you know, they walk in my basement that we're in right now and they go, well, well, wow, that, that looks pretty cool. He must know some people and he also doesn't allow things not to be done right. And so that conveys a messaging as one nugget towards, mm-hmm. well, maybe when I, when I need brick, I'm going to call Joe. He may have a brick guy. I don't do brick, but I do have a brick guy. And if I can get him to call me enough for the brick guy, eventually they're going to call something. I'll say, you know what? I got that guy. Let, 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 let me give you a quote on that. <laughs> but I want him calling me. Joe, I, I, want, a, I want to be the trusted conduit. I have a saying, and, and people say, hey, do you know anybody that does roofing? I said, man, I know everybody. I said, if I don't know them, you don't need to know them. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that's, that's somebody's like, oh, that's a little arrogant, and it probably is. It touch. But you know what? I want him to call me. Why? Because you're going to call somebody. I mean, first of all, there's a chance I might be able to make a buck. But my real heartbeat is just to network and, and help people. Uh, again, a, a pet peeve of mine is when you're in a, uh, a town you're not, this is long before GPS, if you're in a town you're not familiar with and you go, uh, hey, can you give me directions? Hey, man, I, I, don't, I don't know where that is. You know, if some, I, I've helped people. They've come in and I've been in a store and a, and a shopping or something and I hear somebody asking somebody for directions. I'll pull my phone out and say, well, here, I'll help you find that. When in small business, it's all about, it's all about the service. And and so you guys have kind of gotten a a glimpse of, of the struggle, you know, having, um, you know, what I, I call, um, uh, you know, it's never too late starting over at 50. You know, I I felt like a square peg in a round hole. I, I felt like I was being told what to do, but I was, really more gifted toward making my own decisions. Um, and God used those, those divine appointments, those markers, if you will, uh, you know, as you, you mentioned, Travis, um, to point me in the right direction. And, and finally I pull the trigger on this thing. And, um, that led me to a, a, it's what I call the day. And, and I, 
I stole this from Jim Rohn, but it's the day that turns your life around. And is it a day or is it, it's all well, those, it, it's it, all those moments it, of building. It is, but, but it's the day that he's Jim Rohn was referring to, which by the way, he was uh, Tony Robbins mentor and Jim is long since gone. But um, in short, Jim was broke at 25 and this was 50 years ago. And at 30, he was a multimillionaire. So he's a wonderful speaker. You can find him on YouTube. But he calls it the day that turns your life around. And I remember I was struggling one day in the business, and I was going, Lord, should I go back and get another job, or what should I do? And I just I said, you know what? If I've got to do this, if I've got to get out here and sweat and work and do this landscape or concrete, if i got to chunk concrete, whatever it is, until I'm 80, until I can't move anymore, I'm going to do it. I said, you know what? I, I'm just – it's do or die. I, I'm, I would rather do what I enjoy doing and have the freedom – and and risk security and guys when i made that decision something switched all of a sudden the phone started ringing man and you know it's it's been all uphill from there i've I've still got a long way to go because i'm i'm really more of a micro type business but you know i'm making a living and we're able to give uh back so Um, so the the podcast we just finished you you actually echoed a few notes in there Uh, joe and i discussed kind of going to war as a metaphor yeah, uh, in terms of the small business, and, and one of the one of the points that was made in that show was, war is an extreme position. When you use that terminology, say, hey, you know, if I'm going to go to war with you, Joe, and Joe and I've had some pretty decent wars, of which, interestingly enough, I've won all ba- of them. Battles, uh, battles. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, the war is still going. The war is still going yeah. on. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but you know your position here, and so so again, when I'm thinking about tipping points and these mm-hmm. types of things, and I'm visualizing you and your story, and I'm seeing some self doubt kind of pulling you back, you, you've kind of given some supporting reasons for that. What I know to be true, and I think is just fundamentally true uh, through the people we interview, it's Joe's story, it's in my story. Somewhere there was some action that was taken, because it's not all. And and I'm a, I'm a huge self improvement guy too, and I sure. listen to all of Jim uh, Rome's. Roan, Roan, yeah, all his stuff. Um, but somewhere you actually lay down at night, and it gets real quiet, and you look up, and you turn the lights out, and you tell yourself the truth about what happened that happened that day. Yep. You you you, <laughs> you, you can you can have fear about what's going to happen the next day. Usually, that fear is based off of what happened that day and what has happened in all the other days. So, I'm curious in terms of action, and let's let's ramp it all the way up to where sure. you're at now, because yeah, right I now gotcha. you're you're in a position where you're 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 positioned like super well. Uh, yeah, to, yeah to, I'm, to, in a, I'm in a good place to, to keep going. But again, as you we left off somewhere around that that 45 year old. Yep. But somewhere there was a day you laid your head on the pillow. And again, uh, the precursors were your life to that point, but there was there, there was a day you laid your head on that pillow, and your vision of tomorrow was super positive and and was not fearful. And I'm guessing it was based on some action. What, you took. I was gonna say, it, well, I, I think the key is what was the actions you took different because okay. because he, he, you're right. You you can hear the Lord can tell you something. Your brother can tell you yeah. something. It, it ain't gonna make it. It ain't gonna make it so unless you do something. I, I will tell you when I got that big check from my my, my uh, dr wood and she said you did a fantastic job i love everything you did um i walked out of there it was like throwing the winning touchdown it was like you know what i do have what it takes and i can do this and at that point that's when um uh you know i, I just started the start of the marketing started the advertising and i was doing anything if somebody needed a you know a a little bit of grass planted or whatever. I mean, there, there really wasn't a limit on what I was willing to do because I was hungry. So my, my, my guess is your next appointment and your next quote, the customer that didn't know you that was listening to you was listening to a different version of you. Absolutely. They were hearing a confident guy yeah. that that really knew and could communicate that the result I'm going to give you is, is worth what I'm quoting you. And then so <laughs> this, this, this reminds me, uh, I think this is so we would talk about this in sports. We talk about this in business, we talk about with our kids, speaking of kids, my son, he plays college golf. He's, he's telling me about an athlete, a professional baseball player. And I can't remember which one, but he said a, a quote that he heard recently from this, this player that just, resonated with me and I thought it was interesting. It kind of applies to this. And it was asking yourself, why not me? Exactly. 
why not me? Sure. Not not what what tend if you're trying to be a professional athlete, we tend to go, gosh, I mean, there's such a you know, small few amount of people that do it. I mean, look at the people that are doing sure. it. They had coaching since there were three. There, blah, 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 and you just. You, but then there's also the stories where that's not true, and they're also professional athletes. And so instead of looking at the frame of reference from this this standpoint of how could that be me, you flip it and say why not me? Well, what and I thought that was powerful. What you're hinting at and what you're hitting at is belief, right? And speaking of professional uh, baseball sports guy that I knew years ago, he had a friend of his in high school that went and auditioned, I'd say tried out for a major league baseball team. And he came back and he, he told his friend, he said, I realized something. He said, what's that? He said, the only difference between those in the major leagues and those in the minors is that those in the majors believe they're supposed to be there. That's right. And, and it really is a matter of, and, and unfortunately society, um, does just the opposite they 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 seek to whittle down instead of you know encourage people to to believe in themselves um but it really does come down to to a belief and realizing you know what if they did it i can do it and you know i deserve it as much as anybody does that that's a real it's another podcast <laughs> the difference in the in the majors and the minors is the majors believe they should be there. That's that's the only difference. All right. So so after hearing this, thing, Travis, I I, I, I want to that, ask that's you. Your, that's your. I need you to hear. You that. You need to hear that. I need did, you to hear. Did that. you write it down? I did. All right. That's all I need. I, I'm going to ask both of you guys this, yeah. this question, and uh, uh, just curious where you fall on this because there's a little bit of a debate about this. So the term, the phrase, fake it till you make it, fake it. Till you make it. Ryan, you got first. I, I hear it hear it often. Um, all I can tell you is it worked for me. When when she said to me, Can you pour me a stamp concrete patio? I listen, absolutely. And I went I knew I could find somebody. And uh, a funny thing happened a short time later, somebody called me up. It's probably a year or two later, and they said, Uh, you know, I'm I'm we were talking about concrete and I said, you know, well, you're the expert. I, I had to resist from dying laughing. Listen, I went on YouTube. That's where I learned about concrete. I went on, I, and I learned just enough to educate myself, to talk intelligently to the person, because you don't want me pouring your concrete. I, I, I use subcontractors. <laughs> I, you know, and here's sure, the interesting right? thing about it, is that the subcontractors said, we don't want to go out and get the business. And I said, well, I don't want to go out and do the concrete. So we make a great partnership. They said, we want to install it. And I said, I want to sell it. And, and so there is something. There's a lot of businesses to be founded right now by the kind of the wannabe entrepreneurs who aren't the technicians yeah. who, who can actually go out and sell the business. So I don't want to cut you off, but I want, to, I, I yeah. want to hear. It, it worked for me. That's what I would it say. It worked for you. You're an advocate. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Joe, how do you I, feel about that? I'm, I'm 100% an advocate. <laughs> <laughs> My first business was a cleaning business. And I have the same kind of thing. I'm doing window washing. Window washing leads to janitorial services, which leads to pressure washing this and cleaning yep. that. And, and and then we're brick cleaning for new construction. And every, you know, every time you go, it's, will you do this? I'll, yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure the chemicals out. We'll, we'll probably screw it up. But no, I, I think belief is huge. I mean, I think when, when you believe that you can figure it out, well, I, then you will. I, I think a good book title is um, that's a, that's a "Success Isn't Rocket Science," but because you know it, it's it's not. I mean, you, you don't ask me to do you know heart surgery or brain surgery or that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, that, don't fake that till you make it, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's not there, what I'm talking about. It doesn't about. work in every well, in every you know, situation. You don't, you don't want your pilot. You don't want to walk in. Your no. pilot has a hat on that says "Fake it till you make it." No, I mean the the, the running joke is is my brother who's a doctor. I tell him, I said, you know. Less, what's the difference between a landscaper like me and a doctor like you? I said, hey, we just replant our mistakes. So you bury yours, you know. So, it, and that's why he gets paid a, a whole lot more because replant. You know, yeah, we just, you know, if a plant dies, I just replant it. And and so, um, I, you know, I was just hungry, and it was like, I, you know, something had to change. I mean, what comes to mind was uh, uh, we were on a motorcycle trip, Joe. Remember, we were up in uh, 
went up to East Tennessee and uh, Western North Carolina. We were passing through Asheville. You know, we're tossing the Frisbee in mm-hmm. through Asheville and stuff. And this one guy, he goes, we were talking. He goes, yo, man, I did the job. I used to live in Atlanta. And I said, why don't you move back? Man, I, I got in trouble and I don't need to be honest, whatever. He said, I need a job. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you don't. You need an opportunity. I said, the difference is a job means you want me to give you something. An opportunity says you want to give me something. And so I don't, mm. I don't go to a customer and tell them, hey, I, I need to give you money. I'm going to say, listen, you're, you're, this is what we're going to give you. This is the opportunity. Here's what I can I'm do for you. Yes. Right. And, and when you change that, um, I, I had a young guy working for me, been trying to mentor him. And um, he went to work for a pizza company in the mall. This was five, six years ago. And, you know, he quit a short time later. And uh, I said, what'd you quit for? Oh, man, there was just nothing there, man. I just didn't like doing pizza. I said, let me tell you a story. So there was a guy back in 1981. I said his dad had a bar, and the 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 guy came to You're telling dad. a story inside of a story, by the way. Just, I am. I am. Okay. And, right. and, and so I said, Kevin, this guy went to his dad, and he said, Dad, can I clean out the coat closet and put in a pizza oven? He said, sure. I said, that's Papa John's. I said, don't tell me there's not a future in pizza. I said, you, you just didn't look for it. And I said, you know, it, you've got to have the mindset of how can I do this better? I mean, you know, it doesn't take extraordinary effort. It just takes a little more effort to, to put yourself, um, you know, above the competition. Just do a little more is all it takes. And if you do that enough – you'll put yourself out there. Uh, one of my kind of heroes growing up was Archie Manning. You know, Archie Manning is the great quarterback for University of Mississippi, um, Ole Miss, and uh, for the Saints stuff. Anyway, Archie, after practice every day, people knew him. If you go back and look at his college days, man, he could roll left and throw right-handed, which is cross your body, which is difficult. And, man, he was excellent at it. He, he could execute it so well. The reason is – Guess what he did after practice every day? 30 minutes, he'd roll left and throw. All it took was 30 minutes, and it made him a legend. Made all the difference. It made all the difference in the world. So that's my thing is I just want to tell people, my sister-in-law, she's great at this. She said, suck it up, buttercup. You know, just it's like, I want to do that. Just just do a little more. And, and, and that reminds me of a Jordan Peterson statement, and I'm going to get some of it wrong, but, you know, he's the psychologist – guy probably on youtube he said instead of going out and protesting and and talking about how bad life is he said how about you sit at the end of your bed and you just make a mental list of things that you could change immediately that would change your life you know stop eating the junk he said instead of you know michael jackson had it right i'm starting with the man in the mirror i'm asking him to change his way sing it baby no message could have been any clearer what did he say? If you want to make the world a better place, Steve. Want to make a world a better place? Take, take a, a look at yourself and make a change. change. <laughs> yeah. And, and Steve, Steve Bowie. This is thriller. Oh, I'm sorry. That's yeah. another one. That's <laughs> totally. Steve, it, uh, Bowie, you know, he said, dude, it's your decision. And so when I made the decision to start controlling my thoughts and making my own decisions and realizing the buck stops with me, I, it sounds so simple. Man, my life changed. Right, I think that's I think that's the moral of the story. I think it's what certainly the young people and people of all ages. I mean, we even in sectors of our life, we need to well, yeah, understand that we that we have that decision point, and sometimes we we want to push it off and let let external factors dictate. But I think that's the moral of the story here. That that, that anybody watching or listening to the broadcast knows it's ultimately it's in their control. And, and what, what we realize often, and we talk about often uh, amongst me and Travis, is sometimes we're not willing to make the change. Right. We're not willing to make the decision. And, and as long as we're identifying that to be true and we're not lying to ourselves about it, then we can, then we can work with that. But if, if, we, if we're going, we want A, but B keeps occurring, we know that we got to do this to change A to B. Sure. But we're kind of lying to ourselves about it and sort of trying something. This is what I think we need to stop in small business. We need to recognize that, that, that there's, there's something that's actually happening that 
that we are deciding not to do and we got to give ourselves the truth about it otherwise we're going to keep repeating the story and so and so uh so i think that's the moral of what you said in in, in the show and brian i mean i i, I literally got three three pages there, there, of notes there's, there's and, 30 shows left here well, yeah I, mean, I think no i think to you're going to gonna be a, a a regular contributor to the show and we appreciate you you well, coming down and sharing you know your, your thoughts on the show well joe i love hanging out with you of course as friends and, and bike riders travis is, is so nice to meet you i mean my thing is is i just i want to encourage people my, my job my spiritual gift is encouragement i just want to encourage people to believe that they can be more and that's where it starts um we can be more we can do more we can have more and we can give more because the, the bottom line is a lot of people try to have more, but they don't change the mindset. You have to change the mindset first. Jim Rohn said, you got to work on you before you work on, you got to work on you and on your business more than in your business. And when you do that, just small incremental changes, I'm living proof. And here's the thing. It didn't happen until I was in my early 50s. and It can I, happen at 40, it can happen at 50, it can happen at any age. Yep. Um, man, it's a beautiful story, Brian. We thank you for thank it. Thank you, Brian. Thank well, you, thank uh, you audience, for listening uh, to the big truths of small business here with Travis Castle and Joe Watkins and special guest Brian Cunningham. We are signing out. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth. A small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truths of small business. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Some property hearty, management. Place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truth. We got the truth. We got the truths. We got the big truths. Small business sponsored by SI Rent. We definitely try to. Talk to you next week.